Welcome to the special interview episode of the Midwest Film and Game Nerds podcast. I'm Alex, and today I'm talking with Disasterpiece, also known as Rich Vreeland, whose work you may recognize in the film It Follows, or the games Fez and Hyperlight Drifter. Rich, thank you very much for taking the time to join me today. Oh, my pleasure. Uh, so the listeners, listeners of our podcast have heard me just copiously uh, heap praise on, on a lot of your past work, so I think... Uh, I think they would like to hear. It, it, I'm I'm glad that I got this opportunity to talk to you about about your music because I think it's awesome, in pretty much any way that I've interacted with it, and uh, it's it's cool that uh, that you took the time to do this. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, so just kind of to start off here, I heard that you or I read on on your Wikipedia page. So I forgive me if it's wrong, but I think you were born in New York. Yeah. Uh, did, were you raised there? Is that where you came up? Yep, born and raised in Staten Island, New York. Okay, and then, uh, so did what kind of got you into music? Was it something you liked a lot in school, or did you kind of pick it up on your own? Well, it was kind of hovering around me for for most of my childhood. Um, my uh, my sister was always singing. My mom um, played a little bit of piano and sang as well. And my stepfather was um, music director at our church. So I was, I was kind of surrounded by music from a young age, and my stepfather would have band practice in the basement. So there were drums down there and various things, and I used to go down and mess on those. But um, I didn't pick up an instrument really until high school, and that's, that's when I really started getting into it. Okay, so, so when you started playing, did you kind of think that, did you want to start a band, or did you want to just compose, or were you kind of, where were you at with that? Did you kind of have a clear vision? I mean, I think when I was young, I, I kind of fantasized about being in a band, and and uh, the, there was a time when my sister and I would would just like we would just fool around and, and mess mess around with with uh, trying to trying to come up with songs, and I'd like be banging on like a table with some pencils or something, and we were we uh, we called ourselves the Milk Duds. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So I must have been like twelve or thirteen doing that, but uh, um. Yeah, when I when I started actually playing guitar in high school, I was taking lessons and um, getting into rock a lot. Um, you know, teaching myself like um, like Led Zeppelin licks and and Beatles stuff, and then and then getting into like Rage Against the Machine and Tool. Um, and so primarily, I mean, I, I did I did have some friends who also played, and so I would jam with them. But primarily, I was. I think I was interested in in writing um, and recording stuff, um, and just kind of getting you know getting my ideas down. So that's kind of where where it started. Okay. Um, so then, what kind of led you into scoring video games or, or making the music for games? Were you were you a big gamer as a kid? Yeah, absolutely. I played a lot of games. Um, the way that I got started was kind of unusual. Um, I, uh, I had this hobby. Uh, I had this hobby when I was a teenager um, called e wrestling, where you like you make a wrestler, you get to like design their the way they look and their graphics, and their you know people make websites for them, and then you get to write stories about them, and then um, you're pitted against other rest, other e wrestlers, and whoever um, does the best writing would win their respective match. So I was a part of this com- this community that fostered a lot of creativity for me as a kid. And, um, 
uh, kind of had my first taste of freelancing because I did a lot of work for other, other, other kids. I would do like logos and graphics and websites for people. But also, you know, I, um, as being a part of a community, you know, I was, I frequented a couple of like message boards and that sort of thing. And at some point I, I started, you know, getting into music and posting some of my recordings there. And one day, um, someone had posted in probably in like the random for the music thread or whatever posted, uh, that they worked at a company that made cell phone games and they were looking for a musician. And so, um, I kind of jumped on that and, and, you know, reached out to, to that person and ended up doing some, uh, some music for these really sort of primitive cell phone games that were, this was like pre smartphone. So, <laughs> so it was like, like snake so, and that kind of not, thing. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't that primitive, but it was close. It was like MIDI files, you know? So okay. this was like the Nokia phones of the, of the early two thousands and that sort of thing. So, um, so yeah, you know, that's kind of where I started doing like MIDI, MIDI files and like MIDI sound effects. Okay. Um, and that just kind of whet my appetite for it. And, uh, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't like a perfect experience. They, they didn't actually end up using a lot of the stuff that I'd made. Um, some of it, some of the games came out with no sound, which was bizarre. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, the, the, the notion of getting paid to write music was, was really cool as a young person. And, I'd already had a lot of freelance experience. So, um, I just kind of stuck with that. And, you know, in college, um, I actually dropped, I went to school for design and then I dropped out to go to music school. And so going to music school, I kind of slowly, you know, I'd already uh, made a couple of albums. I was messing with, um, like retro game music as an aesthetic. So I had a couple of like these chiptune albums, um, that were heavily like, prog rock inspired, uh, under my belt going into school. And then there was a, um, there's a student organization called the video game music club that uh, I belong to. And, and so met, met some like-minded individuals who were interested in some of the same things. And, you know, we able, we were able to pool our resources together and find out about events like game industry type events, um, to go to and, uh, internships of which I, I was able to do two while I was in college. And so all that sort of stuff kind of set me in motion. That's awesome. So did, when you were in college, were you also in New York? Was that the New York area or was that out in California? It was in Boston, actually. I went to school. I went to Berkeley College of Music in Boston. Okay, awesome. Yeah. All right. So I guess uh, when it comes to the games and stuff that you would play as a kid, what's like the, the number one soundtrack that pops out in your mind? Do you have one that that's kind of your favorite? That's always a go-to. Well, like late, late childhood, like when I was a teenager, I mean, I, I, I really strongly remember the Chrono Cross soundtrack. Okay. Um, I really liked that game and that music stayed with me before that, probably like super Mario RPG. I remember a lot of the music from that game. Um, uh, Yoshi's Island, Super Mario World, stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, Nintendo was always pretty awesome at at those at soundtracks in the first place. So yeah, I I, I had a I had a really um a really big soft spot for Kochi Kondo. Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
So, all right, let's get into kind of making soundtracks for a game. I was just kind of curious as I've been playing through Hyperlight Drifter and, and as I played through Fez, I noticed that um, there's a lot of... The music gets manipulated a lot by the way that you are interacting with the game. In terms of Fez, you kind of notice, and it's little things here and there in some ways. In Fez, when you rotate the view so that Gomez is kind of behind a uh, a building of some sort, then you kind of hear the music mute a little bit. And then uh, in terms of Hyper Light Drifter, I, I more recently noticed that in some of the areas as you're branching out from that main city, the score kind of develops as you as you leave the the central area there so how much of that is something that you are involved with uh in terms of because that's how the game is interacting with your music is that something that you're involved in yeah i'm actually um i'm actually sitting next to uh to to teddy who did a lot of the programming for for audio for hyperlight drifter he says hi that's awesome <laughs> hi teddy <laughs> <laughs> he says hi. <laughs> so uh yeah, I mean so I mean as far as um kind of ask, you know, um asking for the kind of functionality that 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 I wanted, um I was involved. Um um as far as you know, I didn't build any of the tech, but yeah. um um I used the tech. Um we kind of had a, an in-game editor for Hyperlight Drifter that was um had a, a fairly robust scripting language where you could you could kind of place um, music in, in levels and, and tie them to different uh, game objects and tell them to do different things in different scenarios. So um, that was a huge part of my job, you know, beyond just writing music was making the music uh, function in a way that supported the, the gameplay and how the game, you know, how the game evolves. And so the music does change quite a bit. Um, and, it took a while to figure out, you know, what was the best approach with that, and um, we kind of we eventually settled on this. This uh, we had we had to do a demo at one point for Kickstarter, I believe, and um, I didn't have a lot of time to write the music for it. So the 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 approach that came most naturally was to write a single piece of music that just had like twenty or twenty two um, iterations on it, where it just kept building and building and building. So this sort of style of writing a singular piece of music that keeps building, that sort of approach uh, kind of discovered at some point that that was kind of the most effective strategy for this for the limitations of our system. The, I mean, the, the limitations of our system being that we could do a lot with, um, like, conditionally how, like, you know, what context we, we want to trigger things. So the system was pretty smart. Um, you know, it knew it knew how many it knew how many towers you you had unlocked, or it knew if certain certain um, NPCs were in the area. You know, you could do things with position. So, um, but as far as like the actual manipulation of the music, you could only really do crossfading, um, and uh, you could do some stuff with panning. So, given that, you know, we kind of figured out that okay we have to like write pieces that where we write, we write variations on, on a piece that are this pretty much the same length yeah, and just have different elements um, and maybe a different intensity or, or approach. And then, you know, have all those at our disposal. And then I kind of go in and, and place those, those different tracks um, 
and, and try to, you know, try to match them up to the context of what the player is doing as best as I can. Well, I, th- I think it show like, it's a very interesting system. I feel like I, I, as a kid, I didn't, this kind of thing probably wasn't possible in the power of like the super Nintendo and, and that kind of thing, but kind of getting that aesthetic and kind of, uh, having your music develop over that kind of aesthetic is it's really interesting it feels like it almost feels like I'm playing what I would remember a game being like in the past but when I'd go back and play it it would sound totally different or or not <laughs> not as rich and developed as as the things that you've come up with so and yeah. I I think I think the the kind of building the variations on top of kind of that like base theme is is it's it does a lot in hyperlight drifter to kind of like build you to that apex where you're unlocking the tower and i think that's just really awesome it's that's i feel like the fact that you are sitting here and and helping develop how your music interacts with the game is something that i don't think any of the AAA video games out today do. <laughs> so I think that's awesome. Thanks. I mean, I mean, I think actually there are definitely, there are definitely a lot of, um, there are definitely a lot of AAA games that do that, but there are also some where the, the composer is, is more removed from the project. You know, they, they're, they're, they're more just writing stuff and then delivering it. And, um, then there's an audio team that's kind of implementing it. So, I mean, every project is different. And for me, I, you know, I really like to be involved as much as possible and get my hands dirty. Well, on the same note then, cause I kind of, the way that I think about most um, movie scores is that you kind of like the composer will hopefully get the movie if that's, if they want to see the movie as they're scoring it and then they'll write the score and it's just kind of cut and printed with the music. So, was that is it a different story for it follows like were you more involved as you kind of have noted that you would wish to be yeah i mean it's different but um i did have a cut of the film to score to um so you know pretty much all the music that i wrote with with a cu- with a couple of exceptions um i mean i definitely started sketching out ideas for the film um before before having access to it just based on the script and things. Um, and some of that material, I think while it was suitable, like thematically and, uh, emotionally and, 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 and a lot of other ways, it wasn't suitable for the film just because I couldn't find a place for it in the film. That made sense. Okay. Um, that just didn't fit because the scenes were very, you know, particular and, and, um, I guess my style is very particular about, you know, how the music functions in the scene and, how it how it underlines moments and things so i kind of had to back off of certain sketches that i had written but then some of the other ones like i think um detroit actually is something that i sketched on the piano um okay and, and then found a place for it so you know it's like um there's a little bit of that but it was mostly um you know having access to the the film and breaking it down into chunks and then there was also a temp score that David had put together. So the, the, the movie already had a pretty strong uh, tone musically that I, that I um, tried to channel. So, you know, I would listen to a temp piece and then I would try to forget about it and just, but just like distill down 
the ideas of it, like the, the emotional quality, the tone, the dynamics, um, just the general sort of vibe and then recreate that as a new piece of music. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I, I will say it follows was kind of a movie that struck us in a, in a very particular way because we are based out of Detroit and I actually live maybe three blocks away from the ice cream store that they're at in the movie. Oh, so, no, no shit. <laughs> yeah. So, so it's kind of, it, and I remember sitting down into, into the theater and I, I tend to be one of those people everybody knows on the podcast and they're sick of hearing me say it, but I never listen, I never watch movie trailers because I kind of want to go in as blind as possible. Yeah. And I sat down to the movie and the music started coming on and I was like, man, this is a lot like Fez. And then it kind of kept going. I was like, this is totally disaster piece. And I was, <laughs> I got like so amped in the middle of the movie as like, I realized that. And it, I mean, it was, was it, was it that first scene that made you think that, or was it something a little later? I, it, cause I know the first, that first scene is, is kind of totally different from Fez, but kind of the main thing that it follows like theme that you created. As soon as that hits, it feels like, like the dark, like the bizarro version of the Fez world. You know, I think that's I think that's fair. I mean, it's that track is based on the track "Death" from Fez. Yeah, <laughs> I mean the and that wasn't a, that wasn't a choice of mine. That was that was um that was David's direction. You know, okay. David, I ended up working with David because of Fez, um, and he he really liked the music in that game, and he used a lot of it in the temp score for the film. So. Um, that was a that was a pretty big challenge actually to to write new music that was kind of uh, taking old ideas of mine and do something new with it. Um, that was really that that was pretty difficult and I think for the most part it worked. But there was definitely like one or two cues where I wish I was able to get uh, a little further away from Fez. But we only had three weeks to do the thing, so it was. It's hard. <laughs> yeah, and, and you know that I, really, it's just that kind of that main theme that really reminds me of Fez. But I thought it was such a kind of a you, you, your music is so unique to like the film score world that I think it's it was just kind of and it's my own feelings coming from the fact that I was playing Fez before I had played It Follows, and then I'm like, oh man, this is disaster piece. You can, you draw those connections on your own, regardless of like, because even if it's even if it's not the music from Fez, it's still your music, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and your DNA is in there, so I could definitely feel it, and that was that was great. Right on. That's awesome. Uh, so this kind of leads me to a question that my uh, my friend Rick actually wanted me to ask you in terms of. Uh, he's actually the person that turned me on to Fez and, and probably one of the main reasons that I know who you are. So shout out to Rick, but, um, <laughs> thanks Rick. <laughs> he, he wanted to know, how, do you kind of distinguish between the technicality and feel in your music? It's it sounded a lot like when you're going through it follows, you're kind of trying to distill down to what the feel of the track was when you were working off of the temp score. But, for me, I guess my concept of chiptune music is a very technical thing. You've got your different tracks that you can work with, and definitely you got to set the percussion in a certain way. And then, mm. well, I mean, I don't consider it follows chiptune at all, so that's an easy question to answer. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I think uh, you know, I, I wonder about that. I think it's just you know, I don't know. There's there's definitely a thread in my music, so. 
it's definitely connected to chiptune in some way because that's where I came from. But, um, you know, I, I consider the material to be, you know, it's all synthesizers, um, and chiptune is synthesizers too. Um, so I guess that's the similarity. Um, it was definitely very heavily, heavily feel oriented that, that project. Yeah. Um, it's all about feel. Um, I think that, you know, technicality is something that I'm really interested in and, and I've, I've really leaned into that a lot on other projects. Um, like mini Metro is a game that I scored. That's extremely technical. Um, and on the inside, but hopefully externally it's, it, it just feels kind of Zen. Uh, that was the intention. I mean, that's a game where you, you build a subway system and the entire system is musical. And so everything that you do has a musical feedback to it. Um, and so that, that soundtrack is, it's 95% coding. The whole thing is, is programmed. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, that was a, a, a extremely different experience to, to score than, you know, like in it follows where it's just, an, it's entirely feel. Yeah. Um, it's much more intellectual, uh, doing the uh, mini Metro project. Yeah. I saw some of your posts on mini Metro and I sadly have not checked it out yet, but I did see that it, it's kind of, I think you you called it like a a music system or something. Yeah, to it's that like effect. a procedurally generated music system, music musical subway system kind of thing. <laughs> so yeah, that sounds very intriguing to me, and I'm excited to check it out. Um, but yeah, check it out. <laughs> absolutely. Um, so I guess this next question is always kind of a a hard one for. It can be a hard one. Do you have, is, is any one of your projects a particularly favorite project that you've worked on? No, because I feel like my career is, is a journey for me. So, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm always in a different place. And so, and I try to work on things at any moment that are hopefully going to be close to how I feel. Um, so, you know, something that I felt really strongly about six years ago, you know, it's maybe not the best reflection of, of me now. Yeah. Um, that said, you know, there's a lot of projects that I look back fondly on and, you know, feel, feel proud of and, 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 uh, feel, um, yeah, just, just happy with how they turned out. Um, quite a few. I mean, that's, that's always been my goal is to, you know, to do something new with every project and to, um, feel proud of how they turn out. So I could, I could name quite a few that I, that I'm happy with. Um, like mini Metro is definitely one. It follows Fez. Um, monsters ate my birthday cake. Cause it was an especially fun one to work on. Um, there's a bunch. So, I mean, I, I guess I, I, I would say that I, I probably don't have a favorite. That's awesome. I, that's probably a good thing. <laughs> yeah, I think so. <laughs> All right. And then here, here's one that's a little bit, I would I would have a terrible time answering this, so I don't don't have any qualms about saying I have no idea. Uh, in the history of video games, is, is there any game that you wish that you could kind of go back and score, or or rescore? Like, is there something that you you think you would like to put your mark on, or that you think you could lend something interesting to? <laughs> um, I think in general, I'm. I'm kind of, I'm kind of a, like, hands off, 
live and let live kind of person. So it's weird to think about like, do you know, replacing someone yeah. else's work. <laughs> um, but there was definitely a time where, I, um, maybe I'd first been asked this question and I, the, the, the game that I thought of at the time was probably, um, castle crashers. And so this was like, uh, whenever that game came out, yeah, probably like 2007 seven ish. I don't know. Something it's like nine years ago. So when I was first kind of getting into things, um, you know, I, I was, I was pretty into that game in particular and felt like, I felt like the music was kind of phoned in cause it was just like a compilation of tracks from uh, new grounds and yeah. they didn't loop properly. And so the whole thing was just kind of, <laughs> I found it offensive. A little, a little slap bit. dash. Yeah, yeah. I was like, oh man, this could be. They could, they could have done so much more with this. Yeah. Um, but I probably haven't thought about that. Um, since 2007. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think if you ever went back and uh, and wanted to do your revisionist Castle Castle Crasher soundtrack, I feel like your fan base would totally be down for that kind of thing. Yeah. I'm sure they, yeah, they'd be more down for it than I am. (laughs) (laughs) All right. And then I kind of have a few lightning round questions, things that you don't necessarily have to uh, put a lot of thought to or things that I feel like uh, there's a few favorite questions in here that that might have a little more thought behind them. But do you have a favorite movie, a favorite movie of all time? Uh, No, I don't think so. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's fair. That's a hard one to answer. Nothing comes to mind, you know. It's like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. All right. What What about favorite album of all time? Like, is there something that you never took out of your CD player when you were younger or something you're always going back to? Um, oh, man. I don't know. That's hard, too. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, how about this? Is there anything right now? Like, what are you listening to right now? Are there? Is there anything that you're particularly a fan of at the moment? Um, I've been listening to this guy, Lorne, which is really cool. Um, it's, it's it's kind of dark electronic stuff. Okay. Um, yeah. Um, what about, uh, do you have any, uh, is there an anticipated unreleased video game that you're looking forward to in the next couple of years? Uh, there is. I'm trying to think of what that might be. Um, man. Well, I'm I'm just generally really excited about VR, um, like the Vive is especially yeah um, really gets me going. Um, there's a game called Night in the Woods that I've been wanting to play for a while. All right, um, that should be coming out soon. Very cool. And uh, what about in terms of movies? Is there any movie that you're that you can't wait for? Um. I guess I'm not super in the loop on that stuff um i i generally work regressively when it comes to music and films and stuff and games too i i have a list you know yeah the... i keep lists of things i need to do like music movies i need to watch uh games i need to play albums i need to listen to so i guess i'm excited about going through that stuff <laughs> all right that's fair that's fair everybody's got a backlog of stuff so yeah yeah <laughs> All right. Well, um, thank you very much for taking the time to sit down and talk with me. I'm I'm a big fan, and I'm always uh, excited to see what you've got coming out next. Do you have any projects that you kind of currently released or that are coming up soon for people I to do. look forward to? 
I do. Um, I've got a, I've got a bunch, but, um, I'll try to just mention a few. Um, I'm working on uh, a couple of games right now. I'm working on a game called Reigns, um, which is kind of like Tinder for Kings for the phone, um, which has been really fun. I'm doing, we're doing vocal music for that, which is really cool. Um, we're working on this game called Fabulous Beasts, which is, uh, kind of like Jenga meets Pokemon. Um, Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> which is kind of an interesting game. Yeah. Um, and, um, Working with David Robert Mitchell on an, on another film project. Awesome. Um, so those are just a couple of the projects that I've got in the pipeline right now. Very cool. Well, I'll let our listeners know they can go to disasterpiece.com. Uh, your blog is awesome. There's deep dives on all kinds of uh, the projects that you've touched on. So if you want even more information than what's in this interview here, go check that out. Uh, there's also all of... Uh, rich's music on there you can apparently uh i just realized this you can subscribe on Bandcamp for five dollars and you get access to all 38 back catalog releases and, and whatever's going to come out in the future as well so that's uh that's awesome yeah i mean it's it's uh i don't have any exclusive content i'm I'm kind of against exclusivities but uh you know it's a really it's kind of a really direct way that people can um support me all right and uh, i throw in a bunch of music too all right. Well, thank you very much. Uh, this this was absolutely awesome. I was very happy to to see your email when you when you agreed to do this. So, yeah, man, my pleasure. And uh, hopefully, talk to you again in the future at some point. All right. Sounds good. All right. Thank you. You got it. Have a good one. You too. Hey, this is Alex here with some liner notes for the episode. Music from this episode was from Disasterpiece. The song is called Jump Error. You can go to disasterpiece dot com. For all of his music, this is off of the album Rise of the Obsidian Interstellar. So go check it out there. There will be links on Midwest Game Nerds and MidwestFilmNerds.com in the post for this interview for you to go and check out the rest of Rich's music as well as the rest of that particular album. So thanks again to Rich for this opportunity, and I hope you all enjoyed it.